Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today I have the Professor. Hello. And also with me today I have a new guy, and his name is Devi Boy. Hey there. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, <great>. Hello. <laughs> And, that, and here we have it, everybody. <laughs> Debbie Boy and, and his entrance. <laughs> oh, now, hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> We've had you on the show before, haven't we, Debbie Boy? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, we have. <laughs> <laughs> well, not as Debbie Boy. No, as a game developer. Um, yep. <laughs> while ago now, I don't remember what was it. Sometime last year, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. put a link in the show notes to the interview we did with uh, with Devi Boy, who you might know better as Brad, who made Aspie Life. Yee. <laughs> but that was a fun that that was a fun time. It was. It's a one of our better episodes. Yep. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, so how have you fellas been? Oh. All right, all right. Been uh, moving through, starting to lose my mind only after a month. It's like that <laughs> Castlevania meme. So, my God, it's only been a month. Why do I feel like I'm losing my mind? I really am stuck at home. <laughs> oh. So, uh, so uh, both of you are alive and kicking? Uh, yeah, so far. To a certain extent. Oh, man. I, it's getting crazier and crazier with all these um, m- more and more stories of, how, of the number of deaths and reports. Yeah. Yeah. It's I was going just to saying, get quite bad. Yeah. Although it's it's funny though, like even though there's the bad side of it, there is also the funny side of it though. Oh, like the memes. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, the memes. <laughs> like what funny is? Oh yeah, no wonder. <laughs> oh, there's also the as I was saying to the professor at one stage. Um, I feel sorry for those people that um that require that do not require social distancing, like police officers and army personnel. Yeah. What about you though, DJ? You're a checkout chick. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I could I could enforce that. I'd be like, nah, go stay as far I as mean, you. Would. You're still technically touching the food they've touched. So, <laughs> although, but here, okay, but here's the funny thing: though, for army personnel and police officers, hand-to-hand combat's going to be a thing of the past. I mean, <laughs> I mean imagine. Yeah, that's why you just get the long sticks, distancing sticks they got in Japan. <laughs> long yeah, pole so- to hold people down with with the hope hoop on the end and yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the one yeah <laughs> can, you ima- can you also imagine like every police officer now acting like dirty harry <laughs> just get just point a whip just whip out a gun at him and toss the cuffs at him and just go now put the, put the cuffs on <laughs> well if there are any pubs to be open we would have to solve all pub rules with scissors paper rock instead <laughs> Oh, you know, there's another group of people that's going to be affected by all this. Oh, Pe- people with dating accounts. Can you imagine, like, getting a message on Tinder going, uh, "Do you want to meet up?" and and they go, "Nah, sorry, uh, can't meet up. Uh, social distancing. <laughs> can't meet." <laughs> I think it's more going to be the profiles on Tinder. It's like, "Hey there, nah, social distancing, <laughs> no more. <laughs> Please come look at my Instagram profile." <laughs> Oh, no, not the bots. No, they knew the pickup lines. Are you coronavirus? Because you take my breath away. <laughs> oh, 
Oh no! Oh no! Oh. Hey babe, I can't get see you right now. Coronavirus away. Follow oh. my Instagram profile. <laughs> <laughs> kiss, kiss, move, move. Here, follow it. Oh. Oh, this is good. There's so many funny, funny things coming out of this. Oh. Anyways, um, let's go to our first topic. Um, so you both have a topic about Valve. And some yes. interesting stuff involved in it. Dude, quite a week for Valve, hasn't it? Yeah, so yeah. we started with uh, Alex came out about a week ago. It's rather on there now. I mean, I hadn't really been playing too much attention. because like, all right, we like, a small tech demo or something like I knew it was a game release, but you know, whenever Valve says Half-Life stuff in the past couple of years, it's been like, oh, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I see what you're doing there. Once gets your attention, yeah, oh, because when I came out, I was like, oh, wait, what, what, it's actually, you mean it's actually a full-fledged 10 hour long game? And v- what the fuck? Okay, hey, hey, <laughs> welcome back here, Valve. Hey there. <laughs> It's like greeting an old friend that you haven't seen yeah, in like, like ages. Phew. Wow, wow, you're back. Nice <laughs> to see you again. <laughs> so you've been playing that, haven't you? Me? Yeah. No, I haven't actually. No, uh, I want to. I don't have a VR headset yet. I mean, it's made me, which obviously was the, the intention of uh, developing that game. It's made me want to now actually invest in VR, simply because it shows that the experiences are possible now. Um, plus also the market itself. Before the Australian dollar destroy itself. Uh, oh, it's bad. Oh, yeah. The headsets were getting down to reasonable price, like hundred dollars, four hundred dollars for the uh, Oculus Shift. I think it was. Now it's at seven hundred, but like it, it's it is in air quotes affordable these days. So I want to play it, but I'm just watching YouTube walkthroughs. To be honest, I'm waiting for Valve to finally let me buy a uh, Valve Index in Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be a while now. Imagine a few moments later. I'm still waiting for that headset, Valve. Where is that headset? <laughs> it's going to come around eventually. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. They've already yeah. got a, an eight-week delay. Yeah. I think I think that they obviously will release it at some but at this point. So yeah, it's, it's, gonna, it's probably going to be a while until they actually get around to it, I say. But what do you guys think of all the um, recent Valve news, though? Like, do you reckon it's getting you reckon we'll see actually another half-life game like half-life 3 i'm pretty confident like okay no spoilers but there is a teaser at the end um and valve's openness been last week of far more open community like they've been going back to the old habits of responding to community emails and stuff and generally just being more open about their projects which i think it's pretty clear that they are looking into making more half-life now especially now they've got a dedicated team because it the issue with Valve, well, it's not an issue, but the way they're run meant, means that the development of a game is only if all developers in the actual building want to work on it. Mm. But now that there's actually the release, there's a lot of community. I think I, I, I highly suspect it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that customer service has been poor until the last few years. It's improved greatly in the last few years from what it was. But I think that could entirely be because. Nobody at Valve wanted to work on that at the time. No, I think it's multiple reasons. I think just Valve's trying to stay the game up for one because Epic Games all came out. Um, so yeah, trying to you know get ahead of that, which I mean, it's not really it's competitor, but it's more like a big boy trying like shout down, like, please, seriously. Um, <laughs> they're yeah, they're trying stuff and they're doing a good job. They Even just, they before that though, they had to bring in refunds because the ACCC went after them. Yeah. 
Like, that was the, the kind of the tipping point, I think, for when they started I, to become better. Yeah, in a way. I, th- I think they've also made a ton of blunders, which, you know, Greenlight, I honestly wish they brought that back. Um, simply down to it's Greenlight had its issues, especially from a developer standpoint, but it at least was some floodgate. Um, now the floodgate is there is no floodgate. It's just, it's just open completely to anything on the platform, yeah. which, I mean, in their sense, it's better for them because they make more money. The more stuff on there, the better. But it doesn't help developers and players. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, but the, yeah, all in good time, I say. All in good time. Yeah. <clears throat> so they're apparently um, pretty to the cycle. So there, there are two more games, VR games, that are coming out pretty soon. We hope. <laughs> I mean, the, um, one of the articles I've found for the show notes, which um, they said there would be three full VR games, and now uh, they've more recently said the other games aren't in development at the moment. Now, a lot of people are thinking they're completely cancelled, but I think it's more likely the, um, they pulled the whole team in for Alex, and we'll get to see whatever the other games are in another year or two. I, I think so as well. I think they wanted to get Alex out of the way done, because everyone would jump on that project together to get it finished, and then, and then they want to get the community feedback, and that's what I was saying in one of the interviews with IGN. Once you get a few minutes feedback, and I th- obviously it's been very positive, so they're going to, I, I, I suspect those games will get released at some point. Yeah, or they'll uh, at least become an interesting footnote in the development of Half Life 3. True, true. Like how uh, F Stop was this whole big <laughs> idea that they thought they'd make a, a huge game about and it ended up being a. I mean, that's really, yeah, I mean, that's really any, any development cycle because you get great ideas, you develop it, and like, ah, this isn't going where I was hoping. Um, so yeah, I I I I'm pretty sure because Alex at least there's a lot of experimental gameplay stuff in there as well. Um, anyone who's ever played it yet, they'll know the chapters I'm talking about straight off the bat. When I say cover your mouth, they'll instantly know what I'm talking about. Um, oh, that's what God. I mean. Like traps are creepy enough. Oh no, okay. I'll try not make it small. So there's there's a section <laughs> in the game where there's uh, almost like Last of Us infected fungal zombies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to the, the fungal will hurt, make Alex cough if she breathes it in. So you have to physically cover your mouth with your hand to stop um, your character breathing it in. That is really cool. And then there's puzzles where you need to use two hands. So you've got to manage uh, at the same time a monster called Jeff, which is basically this monster can hear sound. So you've got to manage not dropping glass bottles, opening two-handed objects and making Jeff run away from you, um, not towards you. So, like, it's just such well done. And that's why I think they're just wanting to see how all these new ideas and how things, community feedback is to them, and then develop from there. And don't forget the best feature. You can teach a maths lesson. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a teacher who was using a scene in Alex where you find a a window and a whiteboard marker (laughs) doing these maths lectures by drawing the window. (laughs) <laughs> I was just waiting for someone to do that because I'm not surprised considering that it's, it's good. There's the best whiteboard pen I've seen. It does, <laughs> it, it, it's perfect. It doesn't have little, you know, parts of the ink around. It, it's just, you know, it works. The most important thing, though, is do lefties smudge the writing when they write? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that would be a very, very interesting question. <laughs> Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, as I said, the pens are great. Draw what you like. <laughs> oh, but um, what else were they saying in this article? That um, once Alex is outdoor, he, 
is at the door. Here's what you should expect to happen. And they were also saying, aside from the lab and Half-Life VR internally, though, don't, didn't provide detail about it. So I think he's just coming on to say about other projects. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Sounds like general bullshit PR speak. Yeah. yeah. They've got a hint that they've got projects coming because they do but they're not going to say anything about what they are or when they're going to happen. No, they have go into another 10 year drought. Cause it's really, I think they definitely have always have projects in house of health, just their community, their culture as a workplace. Cause they, if you ever looked into how they're structured, it's very different to any other games company. It's basically if the people who are hired there want to work on a game, they can work on it or they can start their own projects. So it's really like if the people who are the people at Valve don't want to work on something, they just don't need. They can just not work on it, which is why everything they ever get released is amazing because yeah. they've had a ton of motivation to get it to be amazing. There's no rush to get it out the door because you know, they're swimming in money. But um, that obviously doesn't mean that if someone doesn't want to work on something, it's never going to get released because they want to work on it. And plus, uh, plus, while it's um, while they're creating it, uh, companies will make uh, much more like um, capable VRs, like HP, exam- for example. They're making their own next gen VR headset. Mm, I think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, that's in partnership with Microsoft and Valve, though. Oh, okay, I, mean, I think also because Valve was saying with the uh, game they wanted to include cells, so their new controllers have the hand tracking. Uh, the finger tracking yeah uh, so you, but they had to cut that feature because obviously hardly anyone supports that apart from them uh basically but i think that's another reason they're going to just wait out the development of those two games a bit longer and see the rest of the industry will catch on with that uh feature because obviously you can do a ton of stuff with that so um, is the finger stuff not in in alex at all no no because oh, they had to cut uh, like it, it's compatible of course but actual gameplay features designed around that it's not because they wanted to make it as open to any you know yeah they wanted to make it uh as uh, universally accessible by any headset because the thing is if you wanted to include uh oculus support right that's not done by oculus that's done by valve themselves so they have to to b- design the game to include stuff that their competitors headsets can work with yeah um, i was kind of expecting them to maybe have a feature that uh you could only do on the index but um like maybe there is but i don't believe so um because i'll just try to make it as open as everyone because at the end of the day it helps everyone in the industry uh to get you know obviously a big game like this coming out on it yeah and valve have been very clear that they're not about monopolizing the vr industry no they haven't no because oculus rift is doing that doing that nicely i think i think it's they're not I mean, they've been pretty. The last couple of years have been kind of met, but then they had the shift come out, which honestly, it's, it's amazing. The shift, it's a great headset. They have I've the Oculus um, Store as well, though, with exclusive oh, yes, games. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah, I see. Okay, I mean, you can but, hack it and run them on a Vive with a program called Revive, but um, yeah, it's, what's the it's point? A that bit point? Janky. Yeah, no, I've been on that store a few times. My friend's headset, and I've never really seen anything I want to play. The only things on the run of play is, you know, VR chat, and that's, of course, available on multiple platforms. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So are you an anime girl avatar or a... uh, Of course, what do you expect? I want to have boobs. (laughs) (laughs) And there we have it. Devi Boy's inner inner private feelings. He always wanted to be an anime girl. 
the first trans host on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, anyways, um, so moving along to our next topic, we've mm-hmm. got a story about uh, Dragon's Lair and oh Netflix yes, and how it's going to be a remake again with the remakes. So many remakes <laughs> now. So it's a remake of a movie. Uh, it's actually a remake of a game. So it's not a remake; it's an ad- adaptation. It's it's sort of in between, honestly, because Dragon's Lair was a laserdisc video game. Oh um, yeah, with the the animated cutscenes. Yeah, and stuff. so it's yeah. already a movie technically, uh, being yeah. pre-rendered. So it's a very different game movie than other ones, I say. Yeah. So after almost a year of negotiations, Netflix has closed the deal to pick up the rights to the game. Roy Lee will produce via his uh, Vertigo Entertainment um, with Trevor Engelson of Underground Films. Don Bluth, Gary Gold- um, Goldman, and John Pomeroy are also producing. Uh, Ryan Reynolds will produce via his banner Maximum Effort, along with the Shingles, um, George Dewey, and Patrick Gooing. The scripts by people behind the Lego movie. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. And uh, the Roy Lee, he was the producer for the movie It Chapter 2, and he was also working on Doctor Sleep. Mm. So, yeah, this will be... So, it's... It's interesting how video game movies are coming up. That is. I mean, I'm glad Don Bluth, because he's the one who originally animated, well, not the whole thing, obviously the original game, but he was one of the main, because it was animated by Don, one of his animation companies, whichever one it was at that time, before it died again and made it again. Because um, he's been wanting to get this thing off the ground for years. Because um, he did a Kickstarter back in the day. And then yeah. did, uh, so they're going to animate it by hand and his his a traditional animation style. If you don't know who Don Bluth is, he's a guy animated. He's the guy behind Land of Full Time and a ton of other animated films. Um, but I mean, I'm so happy for him finally getting the chance to get this thing made yeah. <laughs> after all these years. But so, that, so they're having Ryan Reynolds in, in, in this in this project. <laughs> all I think of when you say Ryan Reynolds now is just Pikachu. That's all I think. <laughs> I see it, that dancing Pikachu from that that troll they did that's all i think when i hear ryan <laughs> rendell's now that'll blade runner but it's usually just pikachu yeah <laughs> so basically yes. uh yeah as, as you were saying debbie boy that the uh, dragon's lair was um expanded into ver- to a variety of sequels short-lived cartoon series in the 80s um the arcade game ported into every game console and yeah you're right as well the don bluth and gary goldman who worked on the original um and arcade game had a crowdfunding source and it and here's the surprise you think it raised over seven hundred thousand dollars yeah here's a big mistake in the article though it says uh dragon's lair is ryan reynolds's second video game themed feature because he's also in free guy which is the movie about the npc who realizes he's an npc i mean does anyone even really know that movie i don't even know that movie I, no, I saw a trailer um, and yeah, didn't didn't really. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't had a lot of promotion yet. Oh, I see. Okay, so but, uh, it hasn't been out yet. Yeah, it's. Um, I've been hearing about it for a couple of years, but apparently, it's supposed to release in July. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But that's not correct because he's also in Detective Pikachu. <laughs> so <laughs> that makes this his third video game movie. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I know it's kind of conflicting though because it's with the, okay with Detective Pikachu. I'm looking at the article here. It says it serves as a loose adaptation of the 2016 game with the 2016 video game with the same name. So it's not really a not really an accurate. But then neither is Free Guy because Free Guy isn't based off a game. It's just a generic action game. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's actually no. You're right about that one. Like it's kind of looks a bit like a GTA Five, but it's um really just a generic action. So yeah. more GTA, sell it. <laughs> All the three five year olds are picking up. Yeah, the, the premise is hilarious with Free Guy. By the way, it's a uh, in an open world free game, free city, an amalgamation of Grand Theft Auto and Fortnite. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's serious. Fortnite. <laughs> well, oh. I just pulled up the trailer so we could throw a link in the show notes, and I've noticed that it's made by the company behind the uh, Disney live-action remakes. Oh god! All right, I'm losing all hope already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but what do you guys think, though? Um, you reckon this will be a good? This this will be this will be good with Ryan Reynolds um dropping into the um into the movie into the project. Oh, I've got high hopes for it given uh for one netflix adaptations have been pretty good lately and given the production team all of them have tons of experience making movies so it's definitely if it's even mediocre it'll still be good yeah, yeah. but here's here's my problem when, they, when they always do the remakes and the and um stuff they all they will say like oh yeah we've got all these like old characters and old stuff coming back but then it'd be like when the final product comes up, you're like, ah, oh, they didn't really do much. It was just we took certain liberties of changing things. I mean, <laughs> in this in in this case, compared to other like like in this case, compared to other video game adaptations, this one it's already basically just a very short movie. Like so, in terms of like that. All, all that you can do really is expand on the walls in the original okay. game, which wasn't much. Like it's almost that's what gives me high hopes. It's like Castlevania. There, there's obviously the law, but really it's quite open ended what they can do with the show because you know it's Castlevania. It's not exactly the pinnacle of video game storytelling. <laughs> I say, so is this. This is Netflix. They also did um, Bandersnatch. So could we get a Dragon's Lair interactive? movie game thing. I mean, that would be really <laughs> cool and all tie back into the original video game. So, and I guess I could do multiple. Yeah, it's true. Maybe, maybe I reckon, okay. I reckon I'll make this live action one and then they will release a, uh, the actual original Dragon's Lair as an interactable movie. I'll look inside it for a PR move. That would be pretty cool. That would make perfect sense considering they've already got, you know, um, Minecraft stories and stuff on there using such a system. Why not do that? Hmm. So you guys sold on the idea? Oh yeah, hundred percent. You professor? Yeah, I'll probably watch it. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen a Ryan Reynolds movie that I don't like. <laughs> oh well, even the Green La- even that Green Lantern movie. I haven't seen that. Shh, don't speak so of it. It doesn't count. <laughs> Green Lantern? Oh no! What? Huh? Oh. <laughs> I'm the Pants Man. Sure. <laughs> He's doing uh, the Hitman's wife's bodyguard. <laughs> Hitman's bodyguard was great. Yep. So I hope that one's good too. Uh, seen him in Detective Pikachu. That was great. Yep. Um, oh, he's in R.I.P.D. Which? Oh God, he was yeah. alright, but uh... 
Debbie Boy's got some bad memories. It was just kind of generic. I can't say it was terrible, but it's just, it's one of those modern movies where it's just like, meh. Yeah, it's very generic. It's, just, it's basically, they're just trying to reboot Men in Black, but not with name. That was a different idea. It's but based it just... off a, a comic, though. Oh, is it? Yeah. But the reason why I picked up, I'm pretty sure it's that reason, because you can tell the similarities in terms of, like, marketing and stuff. But, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so, um, moving along, we've got a story about uh, recreating living dinosaurs, now becoming a reality. Ooh. Can I just remind you why that's <laughs> a bad <laughs> idea? <laughs> I, so, I realized the other day, I saw a meme the other day of someone, well, a picture someone made. They trained their um, AI to recognize animals, and it called their cat a dog. <laughs> in Jurassic Park, in 1993, they have computers that can count dinosaurs, classify them by species, and it's only a programming error that stops them from realizing anything's gone wrong. In the um, in 2020, we still can't tell the difference between a cat and a dog. <laughs> <laughs> T- tell uh, professor, tell that to the flu flu from puffer guys. They'll be going, uh, what? <laughs> Hello there, sir. Your dog is a cat. <laughs> Do what you want? Uh, why? Why is it going meow? It's a cat, sir. <laughs> On my so, system, it says on my computer system, it says it's a dog. <laughs> Does this look like a dog to you? It says right here. Oh. Yeah, sounds like um, sounds like life to me. Yep. You go <laughs> up, you can have all the evidence right in front of you, but some system somewhere will say nope, that's a dog, and <laughs> no one will listen to you about it. Mm-hmm. It's a dog. It's a dog, sir. Stop. I might have a watched dog. the movie Brazil one too many times. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> So with this story, so apparently uh, uh, Jurassic Park pe- uh, protagonist Dr. Alan Grant spearheading genetic research that was in the movie. Uh, Jack Horner, who has uh, in the real life, Dr. Jack Horner, who has consulted all four Jurassic films, initially believed that the key to recreating the prehistoric creatures lay, uh, lay in working with ancient DNA strands. Uh, instead, a group of scientists at Harvard and Yale have turned their eye to, wait for it, the modern chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I... We talked about the Wonder Chicken. What two weeks ago? Yes, uh, last week. Yeah, it was last week. So his, assu- his assumption was basically, of course, birds are dinosaurs. I so mean, we... technically, have you met an angry chicken? <laughs> I have. Link, have you been hitting the chickens again? <laughs> No, uh, my grandparents had a chook that absolutely hated people. Oh, no. Yeah. I like how he's further going on saying, so we just need to fix them so they look a little bit more like a dinosaur. (laughs) I mean, DNA-wise, they're probably supposed to similar. Um, I can't quote me too much, but I remember something years ago where it's like, to a certain percent, uh, chickens are closer to teeth. Transforce Rexes, but I'm going to be skeptical and say I don't believe this article. <laughs> well, they reckon that they've turned uh, chicken beaks into snouts already. Oh. I, mean, I, I, I can see them going that far mm-hmm. on genetic manipulation, but getting back to like a full on, I mean, based off current research, they already, dinosaurs always had feathers to a certain extent. 
they're not the actual reptilian creatures that pop culture makes them out to be. But at the same time, <laughs> it's just like, have you seen the movies, guys? Do you think this is a good idea? <laughs> I've only made five movies about this. When will you learn your lesson? <laughs> it's just like, why, why don't you invest in something like um, Elon wants? You know, cat girls, make them real. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Let's think of the dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, the chickenosaurus. Oh. And for tonight, for tonight's meal, kiddos, we've got Tyrannosaurus Rex bones with a tad taste of uh, pterodactyl nectar. <laughs> what do you reckon this chicken saurus would taste like? Chicken. Uh, that makes chicken. sense. <laughs> I honestly kind of don't know what I expected you to say there. Chicken. 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 So that also puts an interesting case. So if they rebuild these dinosaurs, what do you reckon is going to happen? You reckon we'll get a theme park next? Uh, Nah, I reckon (laughs) it's like how they always say we're going to bring back Willie Mathers. If if in the shoot me one, shoot me, someone get a gun and shoot me if it ever ever comes real. But I reckon the most it would be, hello, we've made dinosaurs real, blah, blah. And then some organization is going to be taken and then it could go two ways. It could be commercialized, which I highly doubt, or it'll be taken over, kept top secret, I I say. So I highly doubt. You know, it's a oh, pretty big thing. The government will turn it into a weapon, just like the movies. <laughs> <laughs> like every other government does. <laughs> Who doesn't want to make I mean, it really depends, because back in the 80s, it made perfect sense, because technology <laughs> and robots and stuff wasn't really there. But, uh, you know, if you already got robots, you know, what's the point of having something you got to feed and things, you know what I mean? Wasn't Clive Palmer going to make a robot Jurassic Park? He did. It then burnt down. <laughs> it caught fire. Well, the T-Rex caught fire, but the other dinosaurs in his forest kind of stay awake, but they're literally five meters away from, like, residential, so people just hear this all night, and they hate it. I don't know if it's still alive anymore, because he kind of blew through all his funds and kind of destroyed the theme park. <laughs> yeah, so now aren't they um, being... Isn't Clive Palmer being uh, sued and going possibly going to jail? Oh, something. There's always something out of that old geezer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, the uh, the T-Rex's name was Jeff. <laughs> Jeff the T-Rex. Jeff the it's always t- Jeff. It's always Jeff. It's either Jeff the T-Rex or Jeff the immortal monster from Half-Life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but, they're related. Uh, but, um, yeah, for the, uh, so on this aspect, so right now the scientists are doing the tail portion for now. Mm-hmm. For now. And they're saying that the project will will be successful by ten years. Alright, this is reasonable. That's yeah. what most people. Yeah, I I reckon they could make sort of grumpy, furry, feathered, not furry, feathered. Mm, furry, say. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I reckon yeah, ten years to get grumpy, feathered things sounds reasonable. Yeah, that sounds pretty reasonably. So no, I'm assuming. So I'm assuming, yeah. Professor, you're going to get that grumpy feathered dinosaur and put the, put it on your front door as a guard dog? No, I want the real thing. <laughs> that that one we were talking about, that was so much cooler than just a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> but as you said, Professor, an angry chicken, it's a dangerous thing. And you know what's more dangerous? An angry dinosaur. 
Nah, I'll just make it so like the size of mice and be like, here, kid, have a pet T Rex. <laughs> Mind your fingers. <laughs> make sure to feed it your meaties. <laughs> oh. But here's here's another problem though. What, what do you reckon the problems are going to be having like besides stuff trying to recreate all these dinosaurs and whatnot? Oh, I mean, for one, you can recreate, but it's never going to be like it, it'll be basically impossible to get it back to an actual T Rex. So I think in realistic terms, problem wise, it obviously will be that. But if they do make it real, I mean, there's so it'll just fucking it's like if it's like if aliens aliens appeared, you know, what, what the <laughs> fuck are you meant to do then? <laughs> just, just bow down, give up. Send it to your new overlords. You know what I mean? Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what about you, Professor? What problems do you would you encounter with this situation? Uh, I I wouldn't want to know what happens once they get out into the wild. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure don't make them out of uh, frog DNA. We all <laughs> make sure your program is competent and you haven't hired literally the lowest bidder. <laughs> but Nedry was great at what he did, except for a few things. Like and that's what you get when you hire the lowest bidder. <laughs> and that's not just the bit where he he tries to steal the embryos. Like, oh, really? Oh, it's more. Okay, sure. Messing up your coding like that. He programmed it so that the computer would count the number of dinosaurs in the park, stop counting at the expected number, and then decide. Okay, there's a hundred dinosaurs, that's fine. The idea was if any of the dinosaurs went missing, they would know. But he hard-coded the limit. <laughs> so okay, when there were more dinosaurs, no one noticed. <laughs> best programmer creates a... You know, the best programmers create problems that then they have to solve. <laughs> that means you just got to pay them some more. Hey, oh, man, I didn't realize that bug. Oh, oh real. Oh, man. Oh, give me a bit more money, I'll fix it for you. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, so now to the games that we've been playing. Uh, Professor, what have you been playing? I've been playing Half-Life 2 Update. That's an update? It's a mod. Nah. It fixes, um, it claims to fix some bugs, but the main reason I'm playing Update is because of the graphics. It's so you're not using cin- sorry? So, so you're not going to be using cinematic mod? Oh. I prefer my NPCs to not be somebody's... <laughs> yes, the um, so the cinematic mod guy had a bit of a hissy fit and uh, took it offline. Oh, really? Yeah, because, I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, because people kept uh, pointing out that the Alex model, like the character model he used to design his version of Alex, is a porn star <laughs> and has fully modeled reproductive tracks. <laughs> so everyone was like, WTF, ma'am, what is this? And he's like, right, uh, no one else gets to play this anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I, I, I'm fine if you want to model up your pawns. To show. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Because there was, like in the mod itself, there is the ability to put the generic Alex model in there with some updated texture packs. Um, there's high res- resolution textures, but um, the 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 fuck the was up with that? Yeah, like <laughs> the updated Alex model doesn't look too bad. No, it's a lot more true to the design, but the um the model based off the porn star is just <laughs> it re- isn't really Alex. It's like <laughs> sex not. appeal. 
none of the uh, science and shooting appeal. Like, the whole reason Alex is a good character is because she can stand up for herself. Mm-hmm. The, um, the cinematic mod Alex looks like <laughs> they've just taken some someone out, literally out of porn with lip fillers and everything and put her in the post-apocalypse where there's no way she would have gotten any of that. So you never realised that it was actually sponsored by Pornhub? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine just like in the next next Half-Life game? Half-Life, now sponsored by Pornhub. (laughs) Half-Life is the... uh... (laughs) If we get Half-Life sooner, maybe that would be okay. (laughs) Oh... I mean, someone's yeah. got to sponsor the sex scenes, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so cinematic mod's very competent and it looks very nice. Yeah, but, but yeah. Um, it gets a bit weird. <laughs> so yes. I've been playing Update, which is mostly a lighting mod. So they, um, Valve, Valve's updates to Half-Life, or to the Source Engine, mm-hmm. are up to a certain point backwards compatible with uh, Half-Life 2. Yep. But then it gets to the point where either it's not compatible anymore or it requires you to actually go through and, like, redo the maps. Oh boy, so it's yeah. gone through and recompiled the maps for the new lighting engine. Hmm. And it's it's fairly subtle, but it looks absolutely gorgeous. Hell yeah. That's the thing. You, just, you want it. All Valve games have a certain feel to them, which is mainly art style direction. And if you just change it too much, even with the lighting, it can really throw the game experience off. Yeah, it feels like um, it feels true to Half-Life 2. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah. Is it, uh, Half-Life's never looked, like, it looked realistic, but it's always a cartoon realistic, if you know what I mean. Like, it's realistic, but there's a, there's a, there's a theme and a style to everything. There's a consistency. Yeah. So any big flaws with that game, um, Professor? Uh, there's a couple of bugs in it that have apparently been fixed in the main game. Like, the Combine don't say ow when you shoot them anymore. <laughs> that was broken in the main game for about six years and only fixed in the last year, though. So I... They say ow. <laughs> well, they don't have pain cells. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> They're so, human. Get them. <laughs> unfortunately, nothing will fix that bloody AI. <laughs> uh, the AI is pretty decent for the age of the game, though. I, I, I don't. I don't agree. Actually, um, Half Life One's AI. I ever looked into it? Is fucking amazing. Like oh, Half Life yeah. One's AI can, has a sense of smell. So if you kill a body, they can actually find you by the dead body if it's near you. And I'm disappointed that uh, Black Mesa doesn't implemented yeah. the hound eye packs true so in half-life one the hound eyes were originally form packs and they could boost each other's attacks and there'd be a pack leader and they'd have ai that followed that but black mesa didn't bother implementing that as far as i could tell yeah i mean it's not their key their goal is to do a remake not a you know so yeah 
their main their main goal is make everything pretty as hell, and the I bet those devs are just overworking on it. <laughs> yeah, it's been like what a decade and a half. Yeah, it was um like Black Mesa is absolutely gorgeous, and it still feels true to the Half Life style. But um, yeah, it is definitely an updated Black an updated Half Life One. Mm. They haven't really added too many uh too many changes that would break the feel of it. Yeah. Except when you get to Zen. <laughs> uh, I'm all down for the changes they did. Yeah. Like, I I never was in the camp before Zen was awful, but the new Zen is amazing. Yes. It is. Look, the old Zen, if you love or hate level design, it was bland as yeah. anything. And what they did is really give it that. Because it was like, you're at the final chapter. Congratulations, you got through all of that. Now have bland brown. <laughs> For the next half an hour, As enjoy. In the, way, uh, the big boss, his main attack is sending you away from him. Yeah, truly, which, truly. Like, yeah, like, it kind of makes him feel pathetic, which he kind of is. He's a mutilated space baby thing <laughs> uh, on the run from the combine, but he's supposed to be the most powerful thing there, stopping the. Um, keeping the portals open, sending through all the monsters. Black Mesa makes him feel like an enemy. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did a great job with. It really completes the experience. Yeah. So how many nerdy beanies would you give this game out of, um, Professor? Uh, four and a half out of five. Ooh. I think it's aged very well for a game from 2004. So four and a half out of five, hey? Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, Debbie Boy, what have you been playing? A range of things. Uh, some Colin McRae Rally 05 and uh, Wind Waker. Oh, very. That's an interesting, <laughs> that's an interesting mix. It a racing is. game. <laughs> you know, just, you gotta, you know, the racing games are good casual and Wind Waker is another story. <laughs> yeah. But, how are you finding it so far with both games? So Colin McRae Rally, I mean, it's just a great rally. I mean, so... Comic Cake Rally is basically the Dirt series today. It's the same developers, not the same people anymore, but it's the same series because um, they just obviously changed the name after Rest in Peace. McCraig died in 2007 in, the, in his um, helicopter crash. Uh, so obviously at that point, obviously his name wasn't very marketable. So that's why I moved it to Dirt Rally. So that's still the same series this whole time. Um, but even 2005, like it's so good. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot less of the features now pretty much standardized. Like in the latest Dirt Rally, uh, your car will be affected by the mud, uh, the direction mud tracks are inside the actual train itself. But Very even nice. still, yeah, it's like the mud in the latest dirt rally. It, each time someone goes through the mud and like changes the actual look of the surface, um, that mud will actually interact with how your steering is, like things like that. But even here in 2005, like it's still they do such a great job, especially step up from the previous year's game in 2004. Like this year, like 2004, they got the mechanics down uh, for the Xbox. And then this year, they just went up. And, like the graphically, it still looks great. Uh, and all things considered, it's, it's age. And it's just overall, like, it's just fun to pick up and play. Like, it's, there's like some uh, racing games have difficulty making it fun to, like, the only fun comes from actually doing the races themselves. Here, it's just fun to drive. It feels fun to just drive things. Um, just down to how the controls and everything work. And then, uh, well, Wind Waker, man. So my, uh, not my first Zelda game, but I've played a, a multitude of uh, 2D Zeldas, but this is my first Zelda itself. And, uh, man, I, I have to say I've been struggling slightly. 
<laughs> so what's the uh, biggest flaws you encounter with the, both of those games? Uh, right now, uh, Zelda-wise, two things. So I've got the GameCube version, and I'm trying to... Why the f- I I hate... Why do you invert the viewing sticks when I <laughs> point up? You look down. When I look down, you point... Just make it so I press the controller upwards. You look up. Is it hard? Is it difficult? Can, can, can someone explain to me why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Zelda games are, are not that good with camera works, are they? I mean, yeah, like they've got the, the actual... So you've got two different cameras. You've got uh, both of them interact together, but you've got the uh, normal camera, which is basically the one which the computer itself tries to control its view, which, uh, it, it works. It just gets, likes to get stuck inside walls constantly, like the viewing angle's off. And then you've got the free cam, which is great, except it's impossible to use because those inverted control sticks, which I'm starting to get used to, but still, it's a nightmare to control because that. <laughs> and then the other downside I have to, um, I mean, it's just the thing with this game itself, is that auto jump. So Link, you can't, Link has no jump button, um, which is classic in most Zelda games, I think, of this era. But like, I'm just trying to line up. You got to really think about lining up anything because he jumps automatically when he gets to a ledge, which you think can help a lot with, um, you know, saving time and things. But it, it just gets in the way sometimes because I'm jumping some direction. And he just jumps off and jumps to a completely up opposite area. <laughs> like, I want to go forward and jump here. Then obviously suddenly I'm going that direction and my thumb moves a little and he just veers off in completely other way. Um, I mean, I can't give the game too much shit because I am using a third party controller, which has some joystick issues because my actual th- first party GameCube uh, stick is broken. Uh, so I, I don't know how much it comes down to that. But yeah, I'm getting used to it. I'm getting through it. But I got through the first dungeon and then my controller disconnected. So I went there to plug it in. It's like one o'clock at night. And I accidentally put pressed my button to the reset slot without saving. No! Because uh, I was trying to plug it back in. I need something to grip onto. Finger slips into reset. Ah! Oh, <laughs> yeah, I made that mistake playing uh, the original Zelda on my Switch. <laughs> I uh, accidentally wiped my uh, game because the uh, delete mode is mistranslated. And oh, I thought, boy. is this like a challenge mode? Mm-hmm. It wasn't. <laughs> oh, I see. So, uh, yeah, I get you. Ouch. <laughs> and uh, Colin McRae, what's your biggest, um, the biggest flaw nothing. you've encountered? Just a, uh, <clears throat> just a nothing. It's a good driving game, hey? So it's just a good drive. Like I don't really. Have, I think the main floor beat gets repetitive a bit. There's a yeah. ton of stages. Uh, like it's just a general pick up and play sort of game. Yeah. I don't think there's a really big flaw to it. Honestly, yeah. I just enjoy playing it. I can't really say. Like the career mode is quite difficult because uh, it is rally. So you know, smash your car around a bit. You're pretty. Fu- um, <laughs> yeah, I don't say too. Like I think it's. I think it's held up pretty well considering like 2004 was released. Um, for a rally game like that genre, yeah. No, I can't say I can't really knock it too much. Yeah. So, how many early beanies would you give both games? Out of ten. Uh, out of five. Out of five. Zelda. At this point, I'll give it a four. Um, I'll probably go up as I play it, but just right now, uh, McCraig, I'll give it a five. Fucking nice. great. It, nice. it also is a really cheap game when you get older. It looks like a, a, a. It looks the cover makes it look like it's some um 
uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, shovelware, bottom of the barrel thing. It's really not. It's a good game. Mm-hmm. I've been playing um, Call of Duty Warzone. The, Warzone. Uh, yeah, Warzone, the free Battle Royale game. Oh, that, boy. That came out a couple of days ago, and it is very interesting. <laughs> Usually like, people say interesting. Oh, sorry. You, you first. Sorry, 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 I keep interrupting you. Oh, that's um, okay, that's Usually people say interesting. That's never a good sign. So uh, <laughs> I haven't actually heard much about it. So please it's, indulge. So it's basically um, like it's basically like a prelude to the next up to the next Call of Duty game, which is aptly titled Modern Warfare. God, they really need to come up with new new titles. I mean, seriously, Modern Warfare again. But Modern uh, Warfare. I never heard of that game before. <laughs> What's it like? Is it set in a modern war? Hang on, we've just having we've just been having World War Two students for the last ten years. Man, should think of some other areas. I'm so sick of fighting Nazis. Oh wait, it's it's 2020, not 2010. <laughs> Didn't we have Vietnam at one point? <laughs> that was way back in the old days. I don't think there's been a mainstream uh, Vietnam game in a long time. Yeah. There's Rising Storm, but uh, I think that's the last one I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so with Battlefield, uh, uh, no, not Battlefield, Call of Duty, Warzone, we, you, um, it's Battle Royale. There are various options. The the biggest flaw I will say from the from the first go would be basically you need to get an Activision account just to get just to get into the game. Like there, More it's, accounts it, to get hacked and to use the passwords too. <laughs> Yeah, that too. <laughs> oh, but um, so there are a couple of options. So you got Battle Royale. You've also got uh, um, another one called Cash Grab. Oh. So, it's ba- so that option is basically get as much cash as you can, and and through contracts, through killing enemies, and through ki- through doing some objectives. Basically, like it's like um, Battle Pass. So is it like Payday? To a varying degree, yeah. To a varying degree, hmm. yeah. Um, so you, you with three people, so it's three three man teams, and you can you, you get to pick up weapons and whatnot. So it's just, it's the same old drill with Call of Duty, and you get killed very quickly in Call of Duty as well. And I've experienced that multiple times. But you can come back if you don't suck. That's the interesting part with coming back. See, as you when you die, you don't automatically spawn. Or in Battle Royale games, you don't spawn, you just spectate. You get, you are given a chance, and there's a section called the Gulag section. And in this Gulag section, you are, it's a 1v1 scenario, and you're giving a, you're, you're given a pistol, and you have to shoot the, and you have to shoot the other person. And if you win that Gulag section, you have the opportunity to get back into the game. Interesting. I mean, surprise, I'm not, like, I've never, I mean, for me, Call of Duty died back in when Ghost was around, but <laughs> it sounds like at least they're trying something different. That's, yeah. that's not what I would think when I hear a Call of Duty, at least these days. Yeah, and also there are some mini games as well. While the game's up, like you can parachute and and you can land and shoot things as well. And there are some, there are some uh, interesting changes to the game. Mm. Yeah, with Battle Royale, um, it's just basically you get three man teams, um, last man standing scenario. And uh, they've got some cool weapons. Like I've tried the shotguns. I've tried some of the pistols. I need to try out the sniper rifles because 
the design wise they look really good <laughs> um in-game currency is also a thing in that one and um there's no loot boxes oh the hell of it finally <laughs> <laughs> now you've got my attention <laughs> It's a, but yeah, it's a it's a good game to check out. Um, as oh, I yeah. said, the, one of the biggest flaws I said it's you need to get like an Activision account just to play the game. Oh so, god, okay. Yeah. Does that cost money? Nah, luckily oh. no. It's just a free entry. Oh, you just have to sign in. And that's it. You know. I'm genuinely surprised, considering. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I would give this that game uh, four out of five. Hmm. Very nice. Yeah. And it's pretty. Uh, also, another another um, interesting, uh, actually, good fact as well. All making um, connection to the game, so it's not like you have to wait ten minutes or five minutes for a game to start. So it's pretty quick. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, moving to our shout-out. So, on the 29th of March, 2020, Alan Merrill, um, I Love Rock and Roll, Songwriter Dies at 69. So, Merrill was the band of the members of the, member of the band, the um, Arrows, along with the drummer Paul Varley and guitarist Jack Hooker, Jake Hooker. While in the band, he um, wrote the song, I Love Rock and Roll, where the band which the band released in 1975, uh, became a chart topper for Joan Jett and the Blackhearts in 1982. Uh, in an interview with so- um, Song Facts, Merrill sa- said that he wrote the song as a knee-jerk response to the Rolling Stones. It's only <laughs> rock and roll, but I like it. So basically it was a, di- it was a return, it was a diss record. <gasps> it was a diss track. Yeah. <laughs> diss record. Aha, uh-huh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, Joan Jett got made um, covered that song because she saw the Arrows pl- uh, perform that song on their weekly UK TV series uh, while she was touring in England with the Runaways. She first recorded the song in 1979 with two of the Sex Pistols, Steve Jones and Paul Cook. Hmm. Hmm, uh, he, hmm, he died from complications arising from COVID-19 at the age of 69 in Manhattan, New York City. <sighs> so was uh, he the first celebrity casualty? Uh, no, I think there have been a couple, I think, but... Okay. Yeah, there there are a lot of people that have been dying from this corona craziness. Um, On the 29th of March, 2020, uh, Christopher Pan- Penderecki, he dies at 81. He's a Polish conductor and composer whose modernist um, works were, were on soundtracks for The Exorcist and The Shining. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Penderecki was an avant-garde composer and prolific in his output. His resume includes eight symphonies, four operas, a requiem, and several concertos. Um, film directors often used um, Penderecki's music to capture their mood. His music was used in Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island, Peter Weir's Fearless, David Lynch's Wild at Heart, and Inland Empire, in addition to The Exorcist and Shining. Which we were just talking about last week. Yeah. Since we're all uh, all locked alone inside in isolation, sounds Here's like the Shining Sound. Yep, Shining Soundtrack <laughs> is the perfect album to play right now. Oh, yep. Sorry, I, sorry, sorry about that. No, here's Jeffy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what a he, Jeff. Oh. sorry. <laughs> he, he died. At, he died from a long illness at the age of eight. Krakow. And uh, finally, uh, for our shout-outs, on the 31st of March 2020, MDK2 turns 20. So, MDK2, uh, 2013-person shooter, action-adventure video game developed by BioWare, 
back in the day they were great. The day they yeah, were- I remember when Bioware did good games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because back then, everything was fun and awesome. <laughs> Don't you say it. And so check out that uh, cover art. So we've got some sort of alien creature, a dog dual-wielding pistols, and an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> and an old guy. The best way to sell a game to a kid. Yep. <laughs> Your grandpa's on the cover, Sonny. So uh, MDK2 received generally positive reviews across all systems, with critics praising the graphics, variety of gameplay styles, level design, boss fights, the game's sense of humor, and its fidelity to the original MDK. The most commonly criticized aspects of the game were the difficulty level, which was felt to be too high, and the platforming sections, which many critics found frustrating and too exacting. Ah, so this is so basically they're complaining what Dark Souls is now. Oh boy, please not no, no more Dark Souls references. Uh, <laughs> look, look, I'm, I'm a game developer, right? And literally, when everyone's trying to pitch a new game now, it's like it's like Dark Souls. Like, <laughs> shoot me, Jesus Christ! <laughs> What's your game? It's like Dark Souls. What's your game like? It's like Dark Souls. Ah. Really? Do you get that every single turn? Oh, most of the time, yeah. It's, it, it's a game like Dark. It's like Dark Souls. It's open, endless. It's like that. Yeah. God. God help. Help me. <laughs> Anyways, um, onto our remembrances. On the thirtieth of March, nineteen sixty-two, Philip Shawwater Hench, American physician, Hench worked along with his Mayo Clinic co-worker Edward Calvin Kendall and Swiss chemist Thaddeus Reichstein. Uh, was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine in 1950 for the discovery of the hormone cortisone and its applications for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, and the Nobel bestowed the award for the trio's discoveries relating to the hormone of the adrenal con- cortex, their structure and biological effects. In the speech, um, he basically said this, uh, quote, Perhaps the ratio of one physician to two chemists is symbolic, since medicine is so firmly linked to chemistry by a double bond. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> oh. You, That's some you. <laughs> he must have been wanting to say that for years, had it all planned. I'm going to fucking. Like, he was probably studying university and it's like, oh my god, that's such a good. I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to say that one day. I'm going to use that. He must have had a big smile the second he said that. (laughs) Fucking finally did it. (laughs) Um, In addition to the um, Nobel Prize, Hench received many other awards and honors throughout his career. He also had a lifelong history uh, interest in the history and discovery of yellow fever. Uh, He died from pneumonia at the age of 69 in Ocho Rios. 30th of March 2004, Michael King, a New New Zealand popular historian, author, and biographer. He wrote or edited over 30 books on New Zealand topics, including the best-selling Penguin History of New Zealand, which was the most popular New Zealand book of 2004. Also known as A Guide to Our Secret Overlords. All hail the penguins, everybody. All hail the penguins. Happy feet will come dance for you one day. (laughs) No, you will dance for him. (laughs) 
Uh, King was well known for his knowledge of Maori culture and history. Uh, New Zealand Listener, one of the New Zealand's most popular weekly magazines, dubbed King the People's Historian for his efforts to write about and for the local populace. He died from a traffic collision at the age of 58 in Mara Marua, Waikato. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, 30th of March 2008, Dit Fran, a Cambodian photojournalist. He was a refugee and survivor of the Cambodian genocide and subject of the film The Killing Fields. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> In uh, 1975, Dit and the New York Times reporter Sidney Schoenberg um, stayed behind in Cambodia to cover the fall of the, of the capital Phnom Penh to the communist Khmer Rouge. Uh, Schoenberger and other for- foreign reporters were allowed to leave the country, but Pran was not. Uh, due to the persecution, he hid, he hid the fact that he was educated and he pretended that he had been a taxi driver. And so... Did had to so did had to endure four years of starvation and torture before Vietnam through overthrew the Khmer Rouge in 1978 in December. Um, he coined the, the phrase "the killing fields" to refer to the cluster of corpses and skeletal remains of victims he encountered during his 40 mile escape. Yeah, have you ever seen the photos of that? It's just oh, amazing skulls. Oh, it's nasty. Uh, the Killing yeah. Fields always gets me confused with this other movie um, slash thing, you know, media that's called No Man's Land because, uh, you know, title's very similar because it may, both means similar things, right? But yeah. uh, No Man's Land's based off the Bosnian War. Ever seen, anyone seen that movie? Uh, I don't think I have seen that movie. It's but... really good, but it gets me confused because Killing Fields and um, No Man's, you know what I mean? In, in a way, they both have the same visual image. Yeah, I've yeah. seen No Man's Land. It's quite good. It is. Yeah, but Killing Fields, when it's just a scary thought hearing about the Khmer Rouge atrocity. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. um, isn't that the place where they got the skulls locked up and of all the people that died? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he gained worldwide recognition in 19 release of the film by his experience on the Khmer Rouge. He was portrayed in the film by first-time actor uh, Hang S. Nyo. Uh, who won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his performance. Uh, he died from pancreatic cancer at the age of 65 in New Brunswick, New Jersey. The actor as well was a was also a survivor of that um, atrocity as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, famous birthdays. On the 30th of March, 1820, Anna Sewell, uh, English novelist. Uh, she's well known for the as the author of the 1877 novel Black Beauty, which is now considered one of the top 10 best-selling novels for children ever written, although it was intended at the time for an adult audience. <laughs> uh, so during the time her health was declining, she was often um, so weak that she was confined to a bed. Writing was a challenge, so she dictated the text to her mother and from, 18, from 1876 began to write on slips of paper which her mother then t- transcribed. Um, although, uh, by the way, this w- book was a first English novel to be written from the perspective of a non-human animal. In this case, a horse. And so why? So, like, this is the only. I think th- it's the only book that's based on like from perspective of a non-human non-human animal. So, yeah, I think this might be the only one. So yeah, she said- Anna was the first person to ever write a furry fanfic. <laughs> Look, I was thinking that. I wasn't going to say it, but you just had to say it, didn't you? So someone had to say it. Someone had to say it. 
<laughs> so basically she said that um, the book was a special aim to induce kindness, sympathy, and an understanding, understanding treatment of horses. In many respects, the book can be read as a guide to horse husbandries, stable management, and humane training practices for cults. And so she was born in Great Yarmouth, Norfolk. Have you ever seen the movies? No. Which one was this again? Sorry. Black, um, Black, Black Beauty. Oh, Black Beauty. No, like, again, it's getting confused with Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> um, no, I can't say I have. Thirtieth mm-hmm. uh, of March, eighteen fifty-three. Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, Post in Vincent William Van Gogh. It's uh, more like Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Yes. Van Gogh. Yes. I can't Van Gogh. quite do it right, but it's it sounds Vincent more like Van Gogh. Than... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds more like cough in Dutch than it does to say Van Gogh. Yeah. Thank God. Um, Dutch prose impression, impressionist painter. I just told you is... how to say it. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God. Thank um, God. Uh, so Dutch prose impressionist painter who is among the most famous influential um, figures in the history of Western art. Uh, he, in, over, in just over a decade, he created about 2,100 artworks, including 860 oil paintings, most of the date from the last two years of his life. They include landscapes, still lives, portraits, and self-portraits, and are characterized by bold colors and dr- and dramatic, impulsive, and expressive brushwork that contributed to the foundations of modern art. Uh, he, had, he attained um, widespread critical, commercial, and popular success over the ensuing decades and remembered as an important but tragic painter whose troubled personality tr- typifies the romantic ideal of the tortured artist. And uh, today, Van Gogh's... Um, Works are among the most expensive paintings to have ever to have ever sold, and his legacy is honored by a museum in the, in the name the Van Gogh Museum in uh, Amsterdam. It's such a shame that he uh, wasn't famous while he was alive. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Who sorted that out. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great episode. Yeah, oh, yeah, heck yeah. Um, and sadly though, um, on the thirtieth of March, twenty twenty. Uh, his painting titled "The Parsonage Garden" at Newenden in Spring was stolen at from the Singer Laren Museum in Laren, North Holland. It was stolen in an overnight smash and grab raid on the museum that was closed to prevent the spread of coronavirus. God, I hate opportunistic people. <laughs> he was born what in. Su- hmm? What do you mean? I don't have any more toilet paper. Oh, time to steal a painting. Oh, what should no. we take? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> No one will miss this one. <laughs> hey, 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 John. Show me. What, what'd you get? You know, I don't see you when you're in there. Oh, here you go, Bob. Hey, Joe, <laughs> Joe, that's a fucking Van Gogh painting. <laughs> Wait, oh, what are you? No, it's just some flowers. <laughs> Joe, we're in a deep shit. He <laughs> <laughs> oh, was born in Zundert. <laughs> Uh, on the 30th of March, 1930, John Astin, American actor who has appeared in numerous films and television series, as well as television director and voice artist. He's best known for starring as Gomez Adams in The Adams Family, reprising the role in the television series Halloween with The New Adams Family and the animated series The Adams Family. Uh, notable film projects include West Side Story, Freaky Friday, National Lampoon's European Vacation, and Teen Wolf 2. Mm. Uh, his second wife was 
actress Patty Duke, and he is the adoptive father of Duke's son, actor Sean Astin, who everyone would know as uh, Bill Bilbo Baggins. Oh, no, not Bilbo. What? Sam. Sam Gam- Samwise Gamgee, that's the one. I said Bob Newby in Stranger Things. <laughs> Also, and for those who are not are familiar, who are not familiar with Samwise, he's the guy that keeps saying, "Mr. Frodo, sir, may I help you, Mr. Frodo, sir?" Um, Aston is the director of the theater of theater arts and studies department at and Homewood Professor of the Arts at John Hopkins University, his alma mater, which offers an undergraduate minor program. He was born in Baltimore, Maryland. Gotta love that smile of his, though. That is a great <laughs> smile. Oh yeah, best smile. <laughs> uh, finally, on our events of interest, on the 29th of March, 1969, another brick wall, or another brick in the wall, mind you. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, another brick in the wall. Part two hits number one. Uh, it was uh, Pink Floyd's first in the UK since "Point Me at the Sky." It was Pink Floyd's only number one in the hit in the United Kingdom, the United States, West Germany, and several other countries uh, the single sold over four million copies worldwide part two was nominated for a grammy award for best performance by a rock duo or group the lyrics attract controversy the uh, inner london education authority described the song as scandalous and according to renshaw uh prime minister margaret thatcher hated it <laughs> Renshaw said there was a political knee-jerk reaction. There was a political knee-jerk reaction to a song that had nothing to do with the education system. It was Waters' reflection on his life and how his schooling was part of that. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, Interesting I guess, satire. I mean, it's based on fifties schooling, I guess. Yeah. But is that still part of the education system? Technically. Uh, <laughs> At this point, (laughs) oh yeah, I mean, get rid of those Keynes kids, please. Uh, Everyone should know that it's perfectly acceptable to have your pudding if you don't eat your meat. (laughs) 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 Goddamn little Johnny, get some more pudding! What do you mean? You don't, if you don't eat your meat, you won't get any pudding! (laughs) (laughs) The single, as well as the album, was banned in South Africa in 1980 after it was adopted by supporters of a nationwide school boycott protesting racial inequalities in education under apartheid. As we all know, every government loves banning things. On the 30th of March, 1814, uh, Napoleon's forces defeated in Paris. God, that was a very bad. That was a very bad day. <laughs> that was a bad day for, for the first one. They um. They had to do it all again, like a year later. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, this, European. This... Sorry. Sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. You first. Is this before he ran away to his island, or before or after he ran away from his yeah, island? This is before he was exiled to the <laughs> island after he lost his battle. <laughs> so yeah, but European. Then, oh, sorry. Yeah, he came back the next year, and when the army would stop him, he basically just said to the army, "Hey guys, why don't we go and take over France again?" So <laughs> That's literally what happened. Yeah. And then they got horribly defeated at Waterloo, and everyone lived happily ever after. I'm going to catch you <laughs> up for Napoleon. <laughs> so, uh, European forces allied against um, France marched triumphantly into Paris, formally ending a decade of French domination on the continent. After a day of fighting in the suburbs of Paris, the French surrendered on March 31st, ending the war on the 
of the Sixth Coalition and forcing Emperor Napoleon to abdicate and go exile. Mm-hmm. Although I will say this, uh, I think this is the first time the French surrendered. <laughs> well, then... it won't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, French surrender meme is basically only relevant for the last couple of hundred years. Before that, the French were quite a formidable fighting force. Mm-hmm. And then they basically got a buddy buddy friend. <laughs> uh... Yeah. And finally, on the 31st of March 1999, The Matrix uh, released in the theaters. Uh, so the writing and directing sibling team of Lana and Lily Wachowski uh, released their second film, the mind-blowing scientific science fiction blockbuster The Matrix. Filmed for $70 million, uh, The Matrix was a stylish, innovative, and visually spectacular take on a familiar premise that humans are unknowing inhabitants of a world controlled by machines, central to the film's such as Alien and 2001 A Space Odyssey. It starred Keanu Reeves as a hacker and who learns that the human-like computers are creating a fake world. And we all know, this, and we all know what happened afterwards. Uh, packed with slow-motion camera tricks and references from myriad of sources, including comic books, the Bible, Lewis Carroll, East, Eastern philosophy, and film noir, it stunned viewers with its Hong Kong-style style fight scenes choreographed by martial arts, Masters Yuan Wu Ping performed with the help of invisible wires, along allowing the characters to fly through the air. And then we got the um. Shh, the... Don't say it. But they don't exist. No, I'm not <laughs> talking about that. The bullet time effect. Okay, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we overused the bullet time effect. <laughs> uh, let me, uh, uh, what was that game that had bullet time? What was that old Max old Payne. game? Yeah, yeah. That the, thing is, the thing is, the thing is, Max Payne's development in 995 before Matrix came out. So the bullet time there was not actually because of the movies. Uh-huh. It was a massive coincidence. <laughs> so, um, gr- so greeted with enthusiasm by computer gaming fanatics and me. Mainstream audiences alike, the Matrix earned a staggering 470 million worldwide and won four Academy Awards for Best Editing, Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Visual Effects, and Best Sound. Hell yeah. And then the shh came along. I hope it's a part four. <laughs> and they do it right. There's a well, part four? I thought it was only one movie. Hang on. Oh, oh. Shh. Shh. <laughs> we don't want to give Devi Boy more, more hope. <laughs> There's only so much PTSD I can take. If I ever think any more harder about those, oh no, <laughs> boss battles of Giant Max, it's all coming back. Hell. All right, shut it down. <laughs> oh, oh god. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so on that note, that's all we have for uh, tonight. Um, so um, check, check us out on um, Twitter, Facebook, That's Not Canon, uh, where we have an archive of old episodes. Um, we have our Instagram page as well. Um, also check out um, Debbie Boy's game, An Aspie Life, available on Steam. Yeah. Uh, and also check out... Um, our new that's not canon's newest project that's not covid and uh, it's a professor's own pet project so i'll let the professor tell you more about it all right well that's not covid is a series of short podcasts by members of the that's not canon family uh, about things to do while you're in social isolation and good news things so that you don't have to hear the depressing news about the virus all i want to hear about is the virus 
<laughs> well, then that's the wrong podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, so um, see you next week. Well, do. <laughs> Look after yourselves and stay hydrated and stay inside. Stay home, be a basement dweller, have fun. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.